The reading today is Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, reading from the New King James translation, Parable of the Talents. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with him. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he and he will have, in, uh, have abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Just because we have little and just because we may feel like we are little gives us no license to do nothing with what we have. We just read together the wonderful parable of the talents from Matthew chapter 25, a story of Jesus which is so simple, it's really hard to miss the point. A man has servants and he's about to leave to a far country he gives each of these servants a stewardship a measure of his wealth to look over and to uh, to work with to invest or trade or to build upon and he gives to each of these three servants uh, based upon their ability he doesn't give anybody more than he can handle but based upon their ability he gives to one servant five talents, to another two talents, to another one talent. Now these talents are not necessarily 
measures of money, their weights as it were. There were silver talents and gold talents. And all of that really misses the point of what's being discussed here. They're left with a percentage, a portion of this man's wealth, his possessions, of what he was, what he had. He left them with these servants in various amounts based upon their abilities. Uh, when he comes back, he realizes that the servant with five talents has done something with them. He's traded with them. He's doubled the number of them. Now there are ten of them. And he's referred to as a good and faithful servant and given more to oversee. The servant with two talents, he's done the same with his two. He's doubled them. And he too is referred to as a good and faithful servant and given more responsibility over more. But here's the point, I think, of the entire story. It's, it's this last servant who, truth be told, is a lot like many of us in terms of what he has. He's just been given one talent, a small portion to deal with. And he's given based upon his ability, so his ability isn't as strong as would be the case with a two-talent man or the five-talent servant. And he's afraid. And so he takes that talent he has, and rather than doing something with it, at the very least, putting it at interest, he digs a hole in the ground and he buries that talent. Again, from his perspective, out of fear, from the Lord's perspective, out of wickedness and laziness. Because as the first two servants are referred to as faithful servants and good servants, this one talent servant is referred to as wicked and lazy. And that one talent he has is taken away from him and given to the servant that now has ten. Now without the moral of the story and the point being made coming to home, we just see it on its surface and say that's just not fair. To take away the man's one talent he needs that one talent, perhaps. And give it to the man that has ten talents. Oh, what does he need with another one? Well, it's not about what they need. It's what best serves the master. And the point of the parable, as I say, hard to miss, is this. We must do what we can with what we have while we have it. And we will be judged accordingly. I can just see so many of us in the position of this one talent man. And by the way, aren't most of us there? And using the excuse, well, I would do more if. If I were more like the five talent man. If I had those kinds of talents to work with. And I realize we sometimes make the mistake, which is not really a mistake. Oh, it is textually, but not in terms of understanding. A mistake in seeing these talents as, as our abilities. 
Uh, yes, the talents in Bible times were weights of measurement. And we use the word talent to talk about what we can do, our abilities. And so textually, that's wrong. But in terms of the practical purpose of the story, uh, no harm is done. No harm, no foul to say these talents are those things we're able to do based upon the blessings we've been given. Our talents, as it were. But most of us feel, well, I would do more if I had more. If I, if I came into a windfall of profits and I had $10 million, I'd give 99% of it to the Lord and his church. That's what I would do. And I'm reminded of what uh, Batchelberg Baxter once said. He said, it's not what you do with a million. If riches were ever your lot, it's what you're doing now with a buck and a quarter you got. The fact is, we'll probably never have that hypothetical, imaginary, fantastic situation of just stumbling upon $10 million. And so it's easy to say, I would do this if I had that. The question is, what do you do now with what you have at the moment? Oh, I'd do more if I had abilities I don't have. I am not much by way of singing, so I can't lead songs, and I, I'm not really personable. I, I don't deal with people that well, and I, I surely can't speak publicly. I, uh, I'm just a little nobody in my nobody place doing my nobody things, and I'll just sit in my corner, and I'll bury whatever little talent I might think I've got in a hole, and I'll cover it up, because after all, wouldn't you, with nothing, do nothing with your nothing? Oh, if I just had more talents, if I had more abilities, if I had more opportunities, oh, the good I would do. But that's not what this story is about. It's not a comparative thing. You notice that Jesus never did gauge or judge one servant against what another had done. He never does say to the five-talent servant, after he's turned that five talents into ten, he doesn't say to him, you've done a wonderful job, so much better than the two-talent man, and a whole lot better than the one-talent man. He never judges them against one another. Instead, he judges them based upon what they've done with what they've been given. And by the way, that's the way the Lord looks at us. Whether right or wrong, feeling small or large, sometimes we are caught up into this comparison game. Thinking somehow the Lord is judging all of us on the curve. And we're not judged based upon the books and the book of life. We're not judged based upon Christ's example. Instead, we're judged based upon how I do things as compared to how you do them. And we find ourselves in those kinds of comparative mindsets in one of two terrible places. We either find ourselves in a position of superiority or in a place of absolute mental destitution. 
Uh, sometimes we, like the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18, sit and pray with ourselves, so thankful we're not like other people. But that's not the point of this parable. But that's a problem with comparison. Sometimes you feel superior to. You compare yourself to those lesser than. But in the point of this story Jesus tells, we can make the same mistake of comparing ourselves and saying, well, they, they've got opportunities I don't have. They've got abilities I'll never have. They've got funds and money that I could only dream about. Oh, if I were in their position, the things I would do. But based upon what I have and who I am and where I am, nobody should expect anything of me. Again, we start comparing ourselves with ourselves, against ourselves, which the Bible says is not wise. We do that either ending up feeling superior to or lesser than, and we never get anywhere good with that kind of thinking. Do you realize the early church was started, it began, it thrived, it grew, it multiplied, it turned the world upside down on the backs of one talent people? Oh, you say, oh, but there's, there's the apostles. Look at Peter. He's standing there on Pentecost. And look at all he does for the church throughout his life. Peter wasn't Peter before he was Peter. He was just a fisherman before called with the Lord. He used what he had as best he could, as long as he could, failing along the way from time to time. But he kept on plugging. He kept on working. He refused to dig a hole. In fact, if you put Peter alongside another of the apostles, Judas, uh, you see this, this very parable working out. Uh, Peter has been given so much. He's an apostle. Judas, given so much. He was an apostle. They both fail, and fail tremendously. Peter denies even knowing Jesus three times. Judas betrays his Lord for 30 pieces of silver. Both tremendous opportunities, both fail, both fall. One gets back up and keeps on doing the best he can, as long as he can, with what he has, and we remember Peter for his writings, for his work, for his courageousness. Uh, we remember Judas because in hanging himself, he, he took what little talent he had and he dug a hole and buried it. And I'm sure Judas felt much like the one talent man when all was said and done. Look what I've done. Look what I have. Look who I am. Look what's before me. There's no hope. I can't do anything. There's nothing possibly I could do. But what he doesn't realize is not just about him. It's never just about us. It's what the Lord can do with us and through us. The early church was built on the backs of those who 
without the Lord would have been nothing, amounted to almost nothing. And yet because of the Lord did great things with the little or sometimes more that God blessed them with. They used their opportunities. And so fishermen and a tax collector, a zealot, a man who would seem to be just ordinary people, they turned the world upside down with the gospel of Christ because they did what they could with what they had, not comparing with others, but doing what they could as long as they could with what they had been blessed. They were true stewards of what God had blessed them with. And they changed the world of their day. And still we hear all of that and we think to ourselves, yes, but, yes, but you don't know about my situation. What can I possibly do with my, I don't even think I have one talent. I'm a no-talent person. And let me just tell you, before you start thinking that way, there's no such thing as a one, as a no-talent Christian. And many of us, we can get away with saying, I've just got the one, but not a Christian breathing can say, I'm a no-talent Christian. And my wife, Benita, told me years ago of a, wonderful young Christian man that lived in the small community where her father preached at the time, Davenport, Oklahoma. And one of the young men had had a terrible accident, a, a diving accident, where he, he uh, became a quadriplegic. Uh, he, he couldn't move his arms, his legs. He could just look at you and talk with you. And she said we'd go over and visit him and Every single time it was the same story. We, we'd make ourselves go over and we thought we could cheer him up. And when we left, he was the one that cheered us up. He was the one with the good attitude. He was the one that changed the way our day was going. And here's a man with no arms or legs he could use that was not a no-talent man. He did what he could while he could. And all these years later... I mentioned him in a sermon. He's been long since dead. But if he had something he could do, I promise you, you've got something you could do. We sometimes waste our time in thinking about all the things we can't do instead of focusing on those things we are able to do. Can you, can you say a kind word? Can you encourage those who have the two and five talents? Can you invite someone to services? Can you show up yourself? There's more to being a Christian than showing up for church services, but that's a mighty good place to start, isn't it? And somebody says, well, you put a yourself in a garage doesn't make you a car. Put yourself in a, in a church service doesn't make you a Christian. Well, that's true. But still, the place for the car is the garage. The place for me is in church services when I can be here. Uh, there are people this morning out because of sickness. Oh, they would love to be here, but they can't because of their health. Well, some who have chronic situations make 
make it impossible for them to be with us in services. Oh, they would love to be here. Yes, there's more to serving the Lord than just showing up for church services, but that's a good place to start if we're able. Years ago, I talked to a man who had not uh, any reason to be in services, had uh, no eyesight left, he was blind, he couldn't hear anything, he was completely deaf almost. He'd had to put his hand up like this to his ear when you shouted into it. Asked one time at services, why do you come? You can't see anything. You can't hear anything. And his answer was, I want people to know whose side I'm on. And again, all these years later, I mentioned to him. And with his one talent of just showing up, he's doing some good perhaps for all of us this morning. Can you, can you invite somebody to a service? Can you show up yourself? Can you encourage somebody? Can you help somebody? In Luke 10, when Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, the priest and Levi had the same opportunities. They didn't do anything with that opportunity. They passed by on the other side, which means they, they saw it and acted like they didn't. They had to purposely moved to the other side so they noticed the problem they just decided not to notice they had noticed the problem but the Samaritan whom we've come to call good who saw his neighbor as one in need did something it didn't take much so much of what we can do for the Lord doesn't take that much a call a text a word an encouragement Showing up, giving what we can while we can, looking for opportunities to do the Lord's work in not just large ways everybody sees, but oftentimes in small ways that just we and the Lord and those involved will ever know about. It comes down to this. If we've been given one talent, and many of us feel like that's the case, we can either dig in, roll up our sleeves, and do what we can while we're here with what we have as best we can with the Lord's help, and be good and faithful. Or we can just complain and whine and Dig a hole and bury what we have, cover it up, walk away, and be, these are the Lord's words, not mine, wicked and lazy. And the choice is always up to us. Uh, my friends, if you're here this morning and outside of Christ, one thing you can do is obey the gospel. Have you done that? Or perhaps as a child of God, you've walked away, need to come back. That's the place to start. If you need to come this morning, don't put it off, but come now as together we stand and sing.